You're listening to audio from Mercy Hill Church of Port Austin. To learn more about us, you can visit mercyhillpa.org. A few years ago, I told you the story of my friend Devin pushing his body to the absolute max to conquer the Ironman Triathlon. Um, If you're not familiar with that race, he swam for 2.4 miles, biked for 112 miles, and then to top it all off, ran a full marathon, 26.22 miles all in one day. And I got to experience it. I was there for it. It was incredible. And if you didn't know, Devin is also Pat and Kathy Smith's um, son-in-law. And the crazy part about all this is, if you remember, he was here in church the very next Sunday. He happened to be in town that day. Um, And if anyone had a reason to miss church that day, I think it was him, right? Like, hey, man, we missed you today. Yeah, I was, you know, biking 100 miles and swimming three miles and running a marathon. And I was a little bit tired, but he, he came still. And, and so I think it was a, a good challenge for all of us. Like, what's our excuse, right, when he was there that day? But the reason I bring this up is obviously the, the close parallels it has to running our race as Christians. But he actually just completed a second Ironman a few weeks ago. And you may think, this guy, like, doesn't he understand? Like, that's just pain. Why would you do that, right? But he did his second one. And this time, it was, it was way worse. Um, it was 58 degrees and raining the entire time. Um, just terrible, uh, the, whole, the whole thing from start to finish. And I had a chance to talk with him on the phone this past week and just kind of catch up. And I asked him about the race. And I was actually the day of um, tracking him on the phone and, and watching. And, and at one point, I thought he had, it got disqualified because he disappeared from the map. But it was just a glitch and he was back on. But I just was like, man, give me a play-by-play. And, and I don't have time to tell you all of it. But I will say this to give you an idea of how tough it was that day. 3,000 people started the race and only 1,000 people finished. I mean, that is a huge, massive amount of people who were just not able to even finish, let alone get a good time or try to do well. But I mean, it's just the worst of the worst when it came to elements that day. And it really just took a crazy amount of perseverance to finish. And naturally, as a pastor, you know, I'm talking with him and I'm like thinking, wow, there's so many parallels. As he's just telling me about this race, so many parallels to the Christian life of, of all the stats of Christians who don't make it. Um, and just like that and, and how difficult it is and how the storms of life can come our way and can kind of derail us or how we can get focused on the wrong things and not be able to finish. And, and I thought about the training and the endurance and the community that helped him keep going. And there was just so many parallels to the Christian life. And it really reminds me of our passage today where he says, let us run. And notice he says, with endurance. You've got to understand that as we come into chapter 12, he's been kind of hammering this all throughout the book. Persevere, persevere. Jesus is greater. Keep going. Endure. But as we come into chapter 12, he's really getting to the highlight, to the climax of his application of this book by saying, you now need to endure. We just saw this great cloud of witnesses that ran their race. Now you need to decide to persevere, to endure. And so he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. You see, the Christian life, we have to understand it's a race, right? We don't just aimlessly wander through it. We don't just meander through this this life. It's a race, and there's a very clear purpose with a very clear goal, and it's a race that's going to take perseverance, It's going to take endurance to finish. And that's the whole point of our passage today. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of grab this little little passage, just a couple verses, and I want to pull out three steps that we can take. I'm I'm not always a fan of, of steps messages, but here I see three practical steps that we can take to help us run our race well. And so what we're going to do is we're going to walk through, we're going to look at celebrate, eliminate, 
and concentrate. And we're going to take those one at a time. And so let's look, first of all, at celebrate in verse one. It says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And so what do I mean when I say celebrate? Well, here the author reminds his readers of all the heroes of faith of chapter 11, right? We always say when you see the word therefore, ask what it's there for. And you're like, you say that all the time. But, but the reason I say it is so that when you're reading your Bible, you'll do the same. You won't pull a verse out of context. You'll look at the, the, the context of the passage. But he just says, therefore, in light of all these heroes of faith that we just saw, now let us run our race is what he's going to get to next. But he pauses here and just, or we pause here to just highlight the fact that we're in this race. Do you understand that? That we are in the greatest race of all time. Think about that. We are in the same race that Abraham ran, that Abel, that Enoch, that Noah, that Sarah, that Moses, that Joshua, that Rahab, that all those heroes that we just, we just talked about for the last four weeks. And we just were like, wow, these men and women of faith that ran their race and did these crazy things. He says, now look, you're in the same race. How awesome is that? And it's all by the grace of God that you're in this race. You didn't decide to enter this race. God chose you and put you in this race, the greatest race of all time. And the crazy thing about all this is that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that he prepared for you, each one of you, if you're a believer today, he prepared good works for you to run in eternity past. And so when you woke up today, there were good works prepared for you in eternity for you to walk in today. And tomorrow when you wake up, there are good works prepared for you to walk in. I mean, how awesome is that? You have a race to run. Now, it's important that we don't look at Abraham's race and think that's exactly our race. We all have to kind of stay in our lane, right? We all have different giftings and different passions and we're wired differently. But we all are in the same race with the same finish line. And God, by his grace, chose you and put you in this race. And so I think it's appropriate that we just pause and we say we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So we should celebrate that. We should celebrate the grace of God that we are Christians, that we are in this race, that we get to run with these men and women who, who had really incredible acts of faith that we just read in chapter 11. Now, the, the metaphor here is, is similar to the Olympics, where you have this great cloud of witnesses watching. But there's a little bit of a play on words here when he says witnesses, because I don't think he's so much talking about them as spectators, even though that is the metaphor. He's saying that they, in their life, witness to the faithfulness of God. They show that faith is what gets you through the race. They show that faith in God and his promises. And so since we're surrounded by these people that witness to us God's faithfulness, we too should run our race. And so I just wanted to pause as I, as I thought about this. I wanted us to pause before we jump in to kind of the, the next steps. Just pause on this first line and say, man, we're in the greatest race of all time. What a privilege that we have. And I think we do this daily, by the way. I think we wake up every day and we recognize that we have new morning mercies today. And we ought to celebrate the grace of God in our life. We, we ought to understand and recognize that today, God has a purpose for my life today. I'm in this race. What a privilege to run this race. I say this all the time, but, but we as Christians, we regularly need to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded of Jesus. Paul told Timothy, we talked about this last week, that, hey, Timothy, you need to remember Jesus Christ. Well, what, why would he tell a pastor that? Remember Jesus, because in the busyness of life, it's, it sometimes can be easy to forget the main thing which is Jesus. And so every single day, I think if we're going to run our race well, we need to remember every single day the privilege we have to even be in the race in the first place. 
One of the cool things about Ironman races is that the pros, um, they kind of, they, they have the pros and then there's the regulars in the same race. And it's like, they talked about it when I was watching some of the coverage on Devin's race and, and how this is such a cool sporting event and that you've got professionals and you've got, just got regulars in the same race. And they're not really competing against each other. They're all just trying to finish. <laughs> that's the goal. Just, just finish. And that's a good analogy for us as Christians in our race, because yes, there's the Abrahams and the Moseses and the Noahs that, that we all think, man, we could never attain to that, but it's not about competing against them. We're all men and women in the covenant community of God. And so together we run our race and we just want to get to the finish line. I heard a pastor say a few weeks ago, it kind of like shocked me because I'm, I'm like a driven guy, man. I just want to go. I want to like reach goals and check boxes and things like that. But he said, you know, the older I get, the less I'm concerned with doing amazing, wonderful, awesome things with my life as a Christian. And the more concerned I am with just finishing the race. I just want to finish because he's seen so many brothers who he thought were so awesome and had these amazing ministries, but they had just thrown it all away and they didn't finish the race. And, and that's the idea here. We just want to finish the race. And so to do that every day, I think we wake up and we celebrate the fact that we're even in the race to begin with. And it was God's grace alone. We need to celebrate. We need to be reminded every day that we were hell deserving sinners separated from God. Every day. And yet he pursued us through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again to reconcile us to him. We need to be reminded every day that Christ is everything we need. And because of the gospel, we have salvation from sin, acceptance and approval from God, an unshakable identity, everlasting joy, and the glorious hope of eternal life. Truths like these put weight in our boats and wind in our sails and keep us going in the race. Every day we should celebrate the gospel in our lives. And that's why I say every day, preach the gospel to yourself. I mean, every single morning, wake up, right? If you're like me, we joke about this, but you wake up and you just feel like the devil's sitting on your head. You've got this endless long list of things that you need to get to. And it's like, there's so much sometimes on your plate, but you need to find time in that busy morning to preach the gospel to your soul. The man, I am a hell-deserving sinner, and yet God pursued me through Jesus and reconciled me to himself, and I'm a child of God today. And it doesn't matter what happens today. It doesn't matter what events jump into my life or, or mess up my schedule. I'm a child of God, and I've got this race to run, and he's got good works for me today. That is so awesome, and, and I wish I could spend more time there. But I think first, to run our race well, we need to celebrate. But number two, we need to eliminate we need to eliminate. Look at verse one and then we'll connect it to the rest of it. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, right, we celebrate we're in the greatest race of all time. Then in light of that, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. So that the metaphor here is still an athletic runner who is about to compete in a race. And, and if you know, you've probably seen the Bible movies and, and shows and things like that. And they're all wearing these long robes. That's like about the only thing they get right in those movies and shows. Okay, but, but they did wear these long flowing robes. And so, so one of the things they would do if they were competing in a race is they'd obviously take that off, right? Because it would trip them up. And so they'd take that off and they would prepare to run this race. And they would strip off anything that would, would be a hindrance to their performance in the race. And so for Christians, the application is clear. In light of the fact that we are in the greatest race of all time, that we have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus, that he has these good works prepared for us, then let's get rid of anything that's going to slow us down in this race. And I find it especially helpful that he mentions sin and weight here. We're all familiar with sin. 
right? We're all familiar that, that we need to get rid of sin in our lives. That's just kind of a common, regular understanding for Christians. And, but I think it's helpful to just look at a definition here. From, from This is the New City Catechism, question 16. They define it this way. Sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created, rebelling against him by living without reference to him, not being or doing what he requires in his law, resulting in our death and the disintegration of all creation. And so sin has just devastating effects on our own lives and on the lives of others. And so I always remind you that sin, it's not like, oh man, I got to turn down this, this fun and, and go be a Christian. It's like, no, this is going to kill you. It's going to lead to brokenness and pain and death in your life. And so we choose something greater. We saw an awesome model of this in chapter 11 where Moses, what did he do? He didn't fight sin by gritting his teeth and, and, and whiting his knuckles and saying, I'm just going to fight this sin. No, what did he do? He looked over here. And he saw the fleeting pleasures of sin. Fleeting. Temporary. And he looked over here and he saw the pleasures forevermore. Eternal pleasures that Christ offers. And he said, this is a pretty obvious choice. And he chose Christ. That's how we fight sin as well. I'm not saying there's not a time where you may have to grit your teeth and fight through it and say no to sin. But ultimately, that's going to get tiring over time. But man, when you're looking at, for me, okay, when you're looking at saltine crackers versus a steak, right? I'm taking the ribeye, right? I'm not going for the crackers. And yet every time we go after sin, we're, we're, we're settling for something that is temporary. Yeah, maybe it brings a fleeting pleasure, but it's temporary compared to the eternal pleasures that Christ offers. And so we eliminate sin. But if we're going to run our race well, we also have to eliminate the weight what is he talking about here? I think the author is referring to things that aren't necessarily sinful. We can't necessarily categorize them as sin, but they are still slowing us down in the race. This looks different in all of our lives. For some, it's television and movies. For some of you, it's Netflix or Hulu or Disney+. Plus. You're like, oh, you didn't mention HBO Max. We're good. No, that, that, that too, okay? Whatever streaming platform just completely consumes you, maybe consider... It's a weight, and it's slowing me down in my race. There's not necessarily sinful. I mean, there's a lot of sin on there. Don't get me wrong. You can watch sinful things. But maybe you're watching Bluey on the Disney Channel. I don't know. But, man, if you watch that all day, every day, I mean, man, that might be a weight that's slowing you down. For others, it's social media. Just, just wasting our lives, scrolling on these little boxes. What are we doing? For others, it's a hobby. It's a good hobby, like hunting or fishing. Or shopping. But it's just completely just weighing you down in the Christian life. Consuming all your time and all your focus. When I was reading this and studying this, I couldn't help but think of Josh. And I did get his permission. Um, although reluctantly, he allowed me to share this. Um, he has shared with you many times that he loves his video games, right? He's a, he's a gamer and we all slightly judge him for that, um, if we're just being honest. But, but he's this gamer, right? And, and a few months ago, I think it was the middle of the summer... He was praying and processing and just felt like, you know, like you can't categorize video games in a sin necessarily, depending on the game. But he says, you know, this is a weight that I think is starting to slow me down. I think it's maybe, maybe even coming to become a sin in my life. And he literally gave me his video games and said, put this in your closet because I just don't want this in my house right now because it's slowing me down. He eliminated the weight. Because he wanted to focus on Jesus. And you know what he did that night when he gave up his video games? He wrote a song called Jesus is Greater. It's a beautiful song. You'll hear it sometime. But he recognized this weight in his life. And he said, I just don't want this. I want to pursue Jesus. 
So what are some sins that you need to repent of today? What are some things that aren't necessarily sin, but they're weighing you down? They're slowing you down in your race. I'm convinced, I've said this before, but I'm convinced that one of the biggest problems with American Christianity is all this excess clutter that we have. We're amusing ourselves to death with sitcoms and smartphones and social media without realizing the eternal ramifications of our actions. It's so easy in this amusement park we call America to forget that we're in a race. This is a fight. This is a battle. And everything around us is temporary. John Piper put it this way. One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. That's a dart. So many Christians are allowing unnecessary weights to slow them down in the race. And we haven't even really talked about how desensitized we are to sin. I don't want to just brush over that one and just focus on all the weight, right? Like, sin is serious. And yet, what do we do with sin in our culture? We laugh at it. Sin is no longer treated as a serious offense against a thrice holy God. Instead, it's swept under the rug with statements like, well, nobody's perfect. True, nobody is perfect, but God still calls us and enables us as Christians to live holy lives. We're called to this. Now, some of you are feeling guilty right now. You need to discern the difference between guilt and conviction. Conviction is good, but just guilt that you just wallow in and just feel bad about yourself, that's going to lead to temporary results. What you need is heart change. What you need is, what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to sound an alarm for you. Right? We're, we're just on this amusement park ride in America, just loving every minute of it. But we're missing that we're in a race, we're in a fight, and so we need to wake up and examine our lives, examine how we're spending our time. And, and we need to remember that we have a race to run. And that day when you see Jesus at the end of your race, if you're a Christian, when you see him, you are not going to regret deleting that app that steals all of your attention. You're not going to regret taking a break from social media. You're certainly not going to regret saying no to the pitiful pleasures of sin in a world that tries to wave them in your face. Listen, Jesus, this is why we celebrate. This is why we start with celebrate. Jesus has purchased us with his precious blood. He's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He's put us in a lane in the greatest race of all time. And so, man, let's get rid of the weight. Let's get rid of anything that's going to slow us down to run our race well for the glory of Jesus. I don't know what you need to personally eliminate from your life. But you need to do some soul searching this week. I know I had to this week. In the power of the Holy Spirit, what weight in your life do you need to eliminate? What sinful attitudes or actions are keeping your eyes off Christ? If we're going to celebrate, if we're going to run this race well, we need to start by celebrating the gospel. Because that's the only motivation we're going to have to do this next step. We celebrate, then we eliminate, and third, finally, we concentrate. We concentrate. Look at verse 1 again. We're going to read all the way to the end of verse 2. It says, Therefore... Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we're in the greatest race of all time, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let's get rid of anything that slows us down. And let us run, notice this, with endurance. This is not a sprint. If you, get, if you go out of here and just start sprinting in your Christian life, it's going to get tiring. Consider this long-term, daily, just putting the disciplines in my life that I need to. We run with endurance the race that is set before us, not the race that's before him or her or Abraham or Noah, the race that's before us. And then look at this, number two, verse two, looking to Jesus. Hasn't that been the whole theme of this book? 
What did George Guthrie say in the beginning, one of the commentators? He said, we persevere as Christians. How? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's how. That's how we finish the race. That's how we get through the Christian life. Looking to Jesus. And who's Jesus? He's the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So listen, after we celebrate, and after we get rid of the excess weight, we need to start running with endurance in mind. This is a marathon. And as Christians, we need to have our eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. Notice the verse calls Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith. First, we look to him as our founder, as the pioneer, as the originator of our faith. He's not only the reason we believe, he's also our example in the race. He's the beginning. He's the foundation. Okay, if you're a Christian today, it's not because you actually chose to, even though in time it seems like that's what happened, but it's actually Jesus who began this whole thing in your life. It was God, by the Holy Spirit, pursuing you and putting you in this race. So he's the founder, but he's also the finisher. He who began a good work in you, what? He will complete it. How awesome is that? How encouraging is that? Jesus is the finisher. He finished his race, and he's working in each of us to finish ours. He began the work. He will complete it. So he's our model, but he's also our power source. He's our forerunner who blazed a trail for us, and now we follow in his steps. He's the founder and the finisher, the pioneer and the perfecter. And notice how his race is described. Who for the joy that was set before him. Don't forget about the joy. Now, I, I describe this, this long-term race where we're getting rid of some things that, oh, man, that's kind of fun, right? Oh, wow, look. But remember the joy of running the race as a Christian. If your Christian life is boring and you don't have any joy, then you're kind of missing it completely <laughs> because the New Testament is full of joy. In the Old Testament, what did, what did we read in our in opening scripture reading? That in his presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. So we need to understand the greatest lie of Satan is that, that Christianity is boring and it slows us down and it's not as fun. No, no, no. That's where joy is found. With Jesus. And so Jesus recognized this and he had this joy that was set before him. And it was that joy that enabled him then to endure the cross. To despise the shame. The cross was the most embarrassing, just, just horrible, humiliating way to kill someone. In all the, the movies and the videos, they, they show them with kind of just barely anything on, but it's likely that they were naked, mocked, spit upon, humiliated. The Son of God, the creator of the world. But now, after rising triumphantly from the dead, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So I want you to consider Jesus' race. Obviously, that's a race that's a little different than ours, a little bigger task. But think about his race. He left the glories of heaven. I mean, he had everything he could ever have wanted. And he left that and came to this earth and spent 33 years on this sin-cursed world. Ran his race every single day, ran his race, thinking about the joy that was before him. And when he got to those final hours, that's where we focus a lot of our time. But I want you to think about that. We focus a lot about the garden. And so today, just fast forward a little bit to the point where all of his followers abandoned him. He's stripped, he's beaten, he's mocked, he's spit upon. Then he's got to carry his cross. I want you to think about the fact, we say this a lot, but it's just so powerful to consider that, that Jesus was the creator. It says, by him all things were made. And yet Jesus let the very hands that he created beat him. 
He let the very mouse that he created spit on him and mock him. He let the hands that he created nail him to a cross. And at any moment, he could have stopped. Right? At any moment, he could have said, no, this is too much. This isn't worth it. But what did he do? He focused on the joy. Went to that cross, was forsaken by the Father so that we would never have to be forsaken. And allowed his creation to put him to death on the cross. Why did he do this? For the joy that was set before him. The joy of finishing his race. The joy of being reunited with his father. The joy of being seated at the right hand in heaven. The joy of being our savior. That's why we, we say this. This is, this is actually biblical that while he was on the cross, you were on his mind if you're one of his. You were part of that joy to reconcile you to himself and to his father. He went through this. He endured this cross. And after rising from the dead and conquering sin, death, hell, and the grave, he ascended to his father. And he's now seated at the right hand of the throne of God right now in this very moment, praying for us, those of us who are his own. And so this is why we fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, for most of my life, when I read this verse, I thought of this as this future thing. Like I would, I would literally close my eyes and I would picture seeing Jesus at the finish line. You know, he already finished his race. He's seated there. He's waiting for me. And I would, I would picture him. And, and I think there's an element to that. The first time that I talked to Devin about his race, his Ironman, he said, I would imagine the finish line and remind myself that my goal was worth the pain. Right? Just imagine Jesus there waiting for us with Abraham and Noah and Moses and all those people. And, and just picture that. It's a glorious thing. But, but this time when I called Devin, I asked him, you know, did you focus the, on the finish line again? You know, and, and, and was it awesome to think, and is that what got you through? And he said, you know, when I thought about how much race was ahead of me, when that rain was beating on my head and it was freezing cold and his time was horrible, he, was about to, he wasn't about to make it to the next checkpoint because he was, he was slowing down from the rain. He said, when I thought about the race, the, the whole race and the finish line, I just got overwhelmed. I wanted to quit. I was like, man, that's really interesting. He said, you know what I had to do? I just had to focus on my next step. I just had to focus on the next thing in front of me. And so I think there's application here in that, yes, we look to Jesus at the finish line, but sometimes we just need to look to Jesus for our very next step. I think that's what the Christian life is. That's why Paul said, Timothy, Timothy, Pastor Timothy, I know you've got a lot of things to do and you're really busy and you've got all these tasks, but remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ, that he is more real than anyone else in this room. And he is next to you. That's why Paul, what did he say? When everybody deserted me, the Lord Jesus stood by me and strengthened me. We need to look to Jesus for our strength for every moment of this Christian life. Because the crazy thing is, is he ascended, he finished, but then he sent his spirit. And he walks alongside us through this broken, sin-cursed world and helps us, enables us to finish our race. And so we look to Jesus. Yes, in the future, but also in the present. We persevere as Christians by fixing our eyes on Jesus. So where are your eyes fixed this morning? Are you looking to Jesus or have you been distracted? If we're going to finish our race of faith well, we must keep our eyes fixed on him. And so as we close today, what I want to do is I just want to review those three steps again. First, we celebrate. Just want, I just want to ask you, when's the last time you gazed into the glories of Calvary like we sang about today? And consider the fact that you're a Christian today by the sheer grace and mercy of God alone. 
And that in eternity past, he gave you a race to run. That's something to celebrate. Next, we eliminate. Some of you have some serious sins that you're bound by right now. You've been bound by them for possibly years. And victory is available through the Spirit. Put those sins to death today. Maybe many of you are like, I can't, man, I can't think of any specific sins that I need to repent of, but there's a lot of excess weight that needs to go. It's slowing me down in my race. What do you need to eliminate? Finally, concentrate. A good runner, a good runner isn't looking at his shoes. He's not looking at the crowd. He's not looking at the other runners around him. He's concentrated on the finish line with his eyes fixed on the prize. And so what do you need to do? What practices do you need to put in place to remind you regularly to look to Jesus? That's how we finish our race. And by the way, this is a daily thing. This is not like, okay, all right, I celebrated today. On Wednesday, I'm going to eliminate some stuff. On Friday, I'm, no, no, no. Every single day, we wake up and we celebrate. Man, we're in the greatest race of all time, and it's by the sheer grace of God alone. And we eliminate. We repent any sins that we know of, and throughout the day, eliminate. Get rid of the weight. Get rid of the sin. We concentrate. We fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. And so that's what I want to leave you with as we close this message today. Fix your eyes on Jesus. In a world of distraction and noise, fix your eyes on the only one who really matters. Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith, the savior and satisfier of your soul. He alone is our ambition. He alone is our strength. He alone is our satisfaction. And he alone is worthy of our attention. Fix your eyes on Jesus.